FMX Network production. You cast me, complete me till death do us part. What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. This is Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp MX Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motosport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at pulpmx.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. The car, God, Andrew Short will be in. That is bullshit. Uh, we need to go to the van, have a discussion. And when your kid does dumb shit, it really puts a dampener on your attitude. He's yelling, he's pissed, but I like it because he gets shit happening. And I thought someone was getting stabbed. And I subscribe to the adage that motocrossers have to be a little bit dumb. I was too smart to succeed. I don't yeah. give a shit. He absolutely shit on us. I, I have the itch. I practice a lot with Pookie. The hard-on has remained. Either you're going to hit a tweaker or a pot farm. Like yeah. I finished second right. in points, but I'm 100 points behind. Yeah. Why well, can't I remember who JR is? Yeah. Best part about going to the races is seeing all my friends. But if DV's on, yeah. I for sure tune in. If you don't hit your face on your tower, you're not riding hard enough. That bike sucked. They should have rode it the first time, like right when they built it, right out of production, rode it, and then said, nope, we're just not coming out with a bike this year. We're done. <laughs> I'm not going to go full shit show. If you hooked up with a guy and it's not working out, you just leave. Little does he know, that dude rips, man. I'm talking like he races, works, and he goes fast. So that's what he was saying. Yeah, I forget to dot the eyes on, the, on life for sure. What yeah, but dude, have you seen Star Wars with those things that come out of the same <laughs> yeah. shit? Like, yeah. <laughs> Kiefer's wondering where his lucids yeah, are. Just waiting on goggles. Just Rich. waiting on goggles still, RT. So Who, who, who is? Kiefer. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm completely fucking lost. Chase Hymas. It was Hanky Jory. Hunky Dory? Hunky Dory. Holy shit, dudes be dislocating hips. It's all fucked up. You can get fucked. That is not Hunky Dory. It's not Hanky Jory. Or Hanky Jory. No. Welcome back to this week's Pulp Mix wrap-up show. We're going to talk about show 485 and all the great guests and everything that happened. But first, let me introduce you to my guests for this week. From the main event show and DCMX Tools, brought to you by Guts Racing, it's Toolman Dan. What's up, dude? Hey, what's going on, Dark Side? Not a lot, man. Looking forward to this. Uh, it was a really fun show. We're going to get into that, but I want to introduce you to my next guest. He's also joining us tonight from JSR Motorsports and part of Team Troy Dog Squad, brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires, the one and only Justin Starling. What up? Yeah, living the dream. Living the dream, getting close to A1, so just putting in the work. Yeah, you said you're in the shop like, right now working on your bike, huh? Yeah, I just finishing it up so that tomorrow I can do a bike ride in the morning, and then uh, I'm going to go back down to Jack Chambers' place and do some track work because we had, I think there was five of us today, and we uh, we tore the track up. So I'm going to go <laughs> help a little bit with that and get it ready for uh, for more motos on Friday. Nice, nice. Well, look, man, this week it's, uh, like I said, show 485, and Kiefer has come home. After 10 weeks away, one of the best co-hosts in the business, in my opinion, he's back, and the show was better because of it. 
also in studio, a couple legends, Andrew Short, Ricky Brayback, and Jimmy Lewis even came in. Uh, on the phone, we had Will Hahn, Rich Taylor, and JT all the way from Hawaii. Listen, guys, for an off-season show, I felt like this thing was great. Great stories from all the guests, lots of laughs. Some breaking news that Talon Taylor is fast in the desert. Uh, he was pretty stoked on that. But first of all, uh, Justin, man, just overall thoughts on this show. I liked it a lot. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about the whole rally stuff. So to hear all of that info, um, I feel like I learned a lot and I was actually really intrigued in it. Um, I don't personally have any idea who uh, Jimmy Lewis is uh, just because don't know the rally side of things. Um, but I thought it was really good. I, uh, I enjoyed it. I actually didn't know all the stuff that Rich Taylor does as well. So that was cool to hear, you know, on top of it. And then, uh, yeah, it was, I was intrigued the whole time. Sometimes you, you kind of like fade off a little bit in some of the shows just with like things you're not really interested in, but I was interested in everything that was going on. Yeah, so I feel really that good. way too. I felt that way too, uh, Dan. Like I said, for a show, an off-season show, sometimes they're not, you know, not full of as much information or racing stuff. But I kind of like all this. I like the off-road stuff. That was cool. Yeah, we we get criticized on Main Event Moto a little bit for not having a lot of shows in the off-season because it is it's, it's super hard to find topics to talk about, right? So I think the the off-road stuff, the Dakar stuff, was was very interesting like myself or like justin i I don't know a lot about that and it was pretty intriguing you know how they do the road books and things like that i always kind of wondered how that worked and um yeah it was a really good show Uh, rich taylor is always a good guest also and um i didn't know i I knew that he was you know somewhat of a stunt man but i didn't know that he was like still doing it so that was kind of cool yeah some cool stories yeah we're gonna get into all that once we uh get to that segment Let's start this thing off by, uh, like I touched on Kiefer being back. Guys, I love, Kiefer is my boy. He's one of my buddies. He is probably my favorite co-host, Justin. It's 10 weeks. It's too long. Uh, I was, well, let's listen to this first. God, it feels so amazing to be back here. Like, I haven't been back here in two and a half months. Um, I, I know no, I'm getting slowly been, pushed out. It has out. not been that long. It's been that long. I mean, I've been on the show via phone. But I haven't been in studio in almost three months. That is bullshit. I think we need to research. Okay, well, uh, we will do... um, But it feels good to be back, regardless. We will do... We will look and see how long it's been. But you have been invited many times. And as we've said, you're like... I don't want to steal the, the, the co-host Thunder Man. I don't want. To, I don't want to. You know, the co- people are happy to be in that chair. They are, and, and I don't want to come in there and you know steal the like. So, I don't want to like, step you, on anyone's toes. You've been invited and you've declined because you've been wanting to give the co-host the limelight. Uh, Justin, September 29th was the last time he was in. The date that Talon gave, which was I think October 7th, was wrong because the description on the show for that week was wrong. That was as I said when I called in. That was the week Cade Clayson was in studio, and if for some reason the show description it said that Cade Clayson, myself, and Kiefer were all in. That was incorrect. So ten weeks, exactly ten weeks, in my opinion, way too long to, for Kiefer not to be in studio. Yeah, but it's it's nice to have other people in there too. Um, it's I think if you did too much, it would it would just be too much of Kiefer. Not like it, it's like a negative way. But it's nice when he kind of goes away for a bit because then when he comes back after some time, he has a bunch of, you know, info and knowledge. So it's nice to hear it after some time. Um, but, it, I mean, at the same time, I really like listening to other guests as well. Um, so I like to I like switching it up because it kind of changes the atmosphere of the show a little bit, um, depending on who's in there. 
Um, but I do really like listening to Kiefer. So it, this was like another thing that kind of intrigued me to come back because, or uh, to listen back because he he really has a lot of knowledge, you know. Yeah. So when yeah. he was asking questions, like there's, it's like same with Blair. Like there's always a lot of knowledge behind it. For where like I'm in there, I kind of get confused in some things because I don't know as much as these guys. But when you listen to like you know Blair or him, there's so much knowledge behind it that it's it's really intriguing to listen to everything they say. Yeah, you're not wrong. I like having other guests. Like I really have liked like uh, when Castlew comes in, Paul Parabinos, but man, Kiefer's uh, just my guy, Dan. I miss Kiefer when he's gone, but uh, where do you fall with this? Yeah, I like Kiefer, and I like the, I like the fact that he's so down to earth, and he doesn't want to steal anybody else's thunder, and he like wants to give other people an opportunity to be on the show. I like that, but I I really do like Kiefer. I like listening to him. He, I don't, man, I don't. I've never heard Kiefer have like a have a bad day. He's just right. full of yeah. energy and always positive, and uh, he's funny. I, I think he's a great co-host. I wish, honestly, I wish he was on more. Yeah, but, but I do. I do like having a, a little bit of a rotation because it's nice to hear some different folks every once in a while. But, man, give, give me more Kiefer. I like Kiefer. That's kind of how I feel. I mean, Justin's not wrong. It's great having other guests and, you know, getting different points of view. And maybe it would get stale. Like, in my opinion, I'm like, oh, Kiefer should be in once a month. Maybe I would get tired of that if that was the case. So, uh, maybe the 10-week. Well, week- I, I, I have heard people say that they, they, they can get too much of Kiefer. So, um, I've heard a few people say that. So, you know, maybe they're right. Maybe, you know, having a little break between Kiefer uh, is a good thing for him, right? Yeah, so maybe the 10-week break was good. Well, Chris came on and talked about the AZ Open of obviously Aiden was racing and uh, told some stories about maybe spiking out a little bit. And, uh, you know, the 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 amateur stuff, he, he's an amateur dad now, Dan, and you know a little bit about that from – you know, all your buddies, your, your daughter's obviously not an amateur racer, but you got lots of buddies who, who do have kids racing. Uh, he's, he's living that life now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a whole nother world. I mean, I see like Daniel and Evan at the track. It's, it's, it's just a whole different side. You know, you see, I've seen Daniel when he was racing and then now Daniel at the track and it's like two totally different people. Right. And it, it's so weird too, because you know, when your kids are into something, it's like the passion is almost deeper, you know, and, and you want to get more involved. You want to see your kid do good. And, I mean, I've seen the good and the bad, you know, from the moto dads, the track in general, sometimes they go overboard, you know, like Kiefer was talking, spiking out and, and whatnot. And uh, <laughs> we actually see that quite often. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's pretty common. Let's listen to a little bit of that. So they give him 15 minutes of practice. Yep. Aiden got two fucking laps in, in 15 minutes. Why you ask? Yeah, why? Um, because he decided to uh, go one lap and then pull off, look around in the infield, driving around in the infield like a lost puppy, looking for a guy to follow. Well, he never could get behind anybody good, so he would jump back into a pack, get roosted, jump out. So I'm losing my mind. I come back, and I'm just like, well, we, had, it, we had a coming to Jesus this, Is this a world vet uh, 800 guys on the track problem? No. Okay. Absolutely not. Okay. Maybe 30 guys. Okay, so yeah, fine. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he just wasn't riding and i i got back to the truck and i said uh we need to go to the van have a discussion <laughs> and i proceeded to say are we going home what are we doing you went two laps and he's told me he can't find a flow and i'm like son oh, yeah son you haven't did two freaking laps so how are you going to find a flow yeah so 15 minutes walked by i know a couple people walked I can't by find me. a flow when i'm riding around the infield dad yeah so I got a little bit loud. <laughs> Buddy Antonez walked by. He just did a drive-by. He was going to stop. He said, nope, that's not the time to yep, do that. Yep, yep. And when your kid does dumb shit. But I can understand 
how many parents go many parents. Not yelling for me is doesn't work with Aiden. You gotta gotta drive it home. Like this is important. <laughs> and Aiden's better get his shit together because I'm out. Uh Justin, what do you know about uh mini dads and mini racers? Yeah, well, I'm not a dad myself, so I don't know how I would be, but obviously, you know, me and my parents, we grew up doing this. Yep. I've had my dad go off on me, like, of course. And it's always when I look back on it now, it's like, yeah, I was probably being dumb or I was not <laughs> putting enough effort in or, you know, they're spending a lot of money for me to race and I'm putting in, you know, a quarter of the work I should be or, you know, something like that. And, um, yeah, it's never fun. Like I feel for Aiden there, but listening to Kiefer's story, if you're doing two laps and roll around the infield and you can't find a flow, well, that's on you, dude. Like, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm on keeper side on kind of getting a little pissed about that. Right. Right. Um, you know, cause I can tell you right now, I would never do that, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, they're, they're pretty balls deep in it. I mean, that's kind of expected, I guess, if you're going to do, you know, that kind of practice. Yeah. I don't think the kids really think about like Aiden's probably not out there going, okay, this cost a fortune to get me here. Like at that moment, he's not thinking about the things the parents are thinking about, but Justin, I'm sure as many years as you've been at the track, you know, as pro and even as a kid, you've seen those, the quote unquote mini dads where it, or the mini moms where it's just way, way overboard. Kind of like the story Kiefer gave us about where he thought someone was being, you know, getting stabbed. Uh, that's a little dramatic. And we see that we see some parents that probably almost ruin it for the kids that were, it's not fun anymore. It's very common. Yeah. It's really, really, really common. Like, uh, during the summer I went riding a couple public tracks just for fun and, you were at a public track on a Saturday and, and these dads are getting furious at their kids on fifties. And I'm like, dude, that kid probably can't even write his name yet. Right, like what right. are you doing? You know, like you're going to burn the kid out before he even realizes what he's doing. Um, and I, I mean, uh, me and my parents, we, we, butt we butted heads a lot, you know, in amateurs because I got kind of sick of it, you know? And it, it but it, it, it's just kind of, it's not, I wouldn't say it's part of it, but it's when you're at that level, it gets kind of intense. But when you see them and they're, they're just little fifties and you're just like, man, really, you know, like, come on, the kid doesn't even really understand what's going on right now. And you're yep. pissed at him about things. He probably doesn't even understand what you're saying, you know? And <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a lot, but I mean, it, you know, and at the time, you know, still to this day, I mean, I couldn't tell you what my parents spent, but I know that it was a lot of money, you know, and of course looking at the time though, I didn't think about the dollar. I didn't think about any of that. And now it's now when I look back and I'm like, wow, that was, you know, that was a lot of money being spent there. Yeah. Yeah. And Dan, uh, like you think about Kiefer, Kiefer tells stories. Great. First of all, his storytelling is awesome. Like it's hard not to laugh when Kiefer tells a story, whether it be Vietnam, Vic, almost anything he tells, he's so passionate and he's animated and, and you kind of wonder like, how how close to accurate the story is with him and Aiden, but uh, you know Aiden does some dumb shit sometimes. We if you listen to any of the Kiefer testing stuff he's done with Aiden, he's just a, he's just a goofy kid, man. He's just being a kid. He, yeah, he's he's a kid. I mean, he's a, he's a teenager, right? He's yeah. going to do teenager teenager shit. So I think some of that's to be expected. But you know, honestly, like going back to Aiden just riding around in the infield, that's you know that's that's not. A, excusable when you're at a, at a race of that caliber you know you need to get in there and and you know do do your best and i think honestly as a parent that's all we want to see is our kids do their best so if they're out there actually putting in effort and doing their best then that's really all you can expect but if if you got you know guy rolling out rolling around out there yeah you, keeper definitely had 
he was justified to be upset. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, he is old. Aiden's old enough to know he should be on the track and putting laps in. Um, but I liked when Rich Rich Taylor came on later in the show and like, you're fucked, dude. You're fucked. You're in it now. Which Kiefer says like, I'm out. And he he said on his podcast he did with Heather and Aiden that he's not racing in 22. Uh, you know, he's just Aiden's going to race. He's not going to race. And I think we all know that's all bullshit. We we all say that at times, and it'll come back around. It's gonna be time to go racing. He's gonna get the fire, and Kiefer's gonna be out there doing his thing. But uh, Dan, I know you got a bunch of factory Hondas. You know you got that factory deal or fa- factory Kawasaki's in your garage. But as just an average guy, no factory mechanic, did you know that since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Dan, I don't know if you like changing out fork seals. I do not. If you, no. do, if you don't like doing that work, you got to go to sealsavers.com and use the code PULP25 to save because they're really badass, man. They just keep all that dirt and grime out. You go out for a nice muddy moto out there at, uh, you know, where, where are you riding at? At Hangtown? Or what is it called? Prairie Creek? Or what's it called? Hangtown, Riverfront. Riverfront, yeah. Yep. Those places you ride, you go out there and you get your bike all muddy. You don't want to come home and change fork seals, dude. Just pull off the seal savers, wash the bike, and they're clean, dude. They're clean the whole time. They never got dirty. It's awesome. I'm in. All right, we'll get you hooked up. Uh, Justin, another guy that was back Monday night, Will Hahn. He's a guy that I am always excited when he comes on because I I love – the the back and forth with him and Mathis, they love each other, but they, you know, they, just like Kiefer, they go back and forth, the middle finger game, and you know, all the all the uh, ball busting. That's what I like out of these guests with Steve and the relationships, and I I love when Will's on. Yeah, I I like when he's on too, I, and it, it's good that he is able to come back on. I yeah, guess you could say. Um, yeah, I just like him as a guest because it, it's a little bit like JT when he comes on. Um, where they like, he's not afraid to, you know, kind of push some buttons here and there, but be funny about it and all that. And it's, it's good to hear the stuff he says. And he's also very upfront and like also honest, you know, where Mm -hmm. a lot of people are like, Oh, well, you know, we're not going to tell you our secrets or, you know, say what this guy's doing or this guy's doing, but he's very open about it. Um, I mean, also he's, he's not a team manager anymore. So it's, it's probably the boat where he can be, but yeah, it's always nice having him on. It's, it's good to listen to it. Um, he's always got a bunch of knowledge as well. Um, and for me, I know I, I've said knowledge quite a bit, but like, I really like listening to people that have like very good things to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's like stuff that really intrigues me a lot. Like whenever people are just kind of babbling on, it's kind of rough to listen to, but listening to will, like everything he's kind of saying is smart or has something behind it. That's good. Um, so yeah, it was nice to have him back. Yeah. All the guests, Monday night, we're pretty much that way, right? Will, really knowledgeable, a lot of history, a lot of stories. Same with Rich Taylor. Uh, Jimmy Lewis was only on for a few minutes, but a lot of background, a lot of history, very knowledgeable. Pretty much everybody on there had just great stories and knowledge, Dan. I mean, again, going back to what I said at the beginning, this show really might be one of my favorite episodes of the year. Uh, the Glenn Helen ones, the post-Vet Worlds is always my favorite pretty much. But I found myself really, really enjoying the show, and Will Hahn is a part of that. What did you think of Will? Yeah, Will's always good. And, yeah. it, and it goes back to, you know, we – and I, I think you're right. This off-season show is really good because we, as listeners, we get to hear from Ryan. No disrespect, Justin. 
but we get to hear from riders all the time, right? They call in and, you know, hey, how was the weekend? Oh, it was really good. My bike hooked up good, yada, 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 right? As a listener, as a consumer, we want to hear, like, the back-end stuff, all the stories that lead up to that kind of thing and all the little inside inside jokes and things like that. That's yep. what intrigues us, right? Because we can hear the interviews and, and whatnot on Saturday night and on Instagram or wherever else you get your media, but to actually hear those insiders share stories and stuff, it just kind of makes you feel more connected. That That's the feeling that I get. I agree. Dan, what do you think of Will's breakdown of his riders' personalities? You know, he talked about Barsha wide open and hard on the sleeve, Pierce reserved but outgoing, Moe's being, you know, Moseman being a little reserved. I kind of enjoy that insight, right? He's with these guys every day. He sees the differences, but he sees how, you know, how they're progressing and how they're working together and, and feels like it's going to be a fun season. I enjoyed that insight because, you know, we don't necessarily, again, you just said, we'll hear these interviews, but we're not with these guys every day. Will's with them every day. He's getting to know the personalities. I, I enjoyed that breakdown of kind of seeing what he thinks of his guys. Yeah, like one of the cool things I thought was, you know, when you hear Michael Moseman talk and, and do interviews and things and some of the stuff he does on the track, he's definitely a unique individual, right? And I always thought to myself, man, is he, is he just kind of an, an odd duck or a unique individual or, uh, you know, or is, is that really how he is, you know? And Will kind of backed that up, you know, hey, yeah, you know, Michael's a little bit, a little bit unique, you know? So I thought that was kind of cool. Just it kind of uh, reinforced what, what I felt prior. So, and again, that's just kind of the inside knowledge that you get that, that is cool, you know? Yeah. Moseman is a guy that, man, I became a big fan of a couple of years ago, sitting down talking to him. And he is that way. Like, uh, you know, I spent time with him at Hangtown up in the truck and we were talking about some things and he started going, Hey, have you ever read this author, in, you know, breaking down, uh, like being productive and stuff. And he, he's really, really a, a deep thinker. Like I think Kiefer said like a beautiful mind, uh, so, yeah, he, Moseman is like that, and I really enjoy him. And, Justin, I want to step back a minute ago. We were talking about all these guests and the knowledge. You're one of those guys, man. When you're in studio, like, you're, I think you're a fantastic guest, and every time you're on there, you're better, and you're a knowledgeable guy. You know the sport. So I think you fit into that that club of these guys that you you have the knowledge of the racing, you have the the inside knowledge, you have the stories, but you're also very perceptive of the other riders and paying attention, and uh, you add a lot to the show too. So I think you do a great job. Yeah, I feel like I, I, I'm pretty knowledgeable about a lot of things, um, and that's really because I, I try to pay attention. And yeah. it's not just because like I feel like I should know about everything, but I enjoy that. Like I really, really like knowing about what this guy's doing or this guy's doing or – and it's not anything for my gain or, oh, I got to race this guy, so I need to know what he's doing. It's just it's just nice to know. It's fun. It's uh, it's cool because, like, you know, especially being around Osborne recently, you know, you find out a little bit more about things, and it's like, wow, that's really intriguing. And, and whenever you can talk about it, it's cool, you know. And it's it's one of my it's one of my favorite things, and, like, I really like listening to the show because, like, I learn more. You know, every, every single show I learn a little bit more and a little bit more, and that's – that's always fun, and, and I feel like I like to be one of those knowledgeable guys. Um, it's hard to say that I am, but you know, I try to uh, I try to be like you know one of those guys that are on the show or something, just so that whenever I am on it or anything, you know, I kind of know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I definitely feel that way. Uh, Dan, would you agree about Justin, or do you want to blow him out right now? No, no, I I totally <laughs> agree, and and you know what's cool is, is that Justin, that's that's what separates you from the rest of the guys, right? 
you have passion. And not saying that the other guys don't have passion for the sport, but you truly have deep passion and you want to learn more. You want to be involved a lot. Some of these other riders, they're out there to collect a paycheck, and that's pretty much it. They, they could care less, you know, what you like, what I like, or anybody else like. They're there right. to do a job, and that's it. And when they retire, they, they're off in the sunset. You never see them again. But, you know, like yourself, I, I would imagine when you find, when you retire from pro racing, you'll still be around, and you'll still be passionate, and you'll still want to have something to do in this sport, and I think that is awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan. Like I absolutely love this sport. And so I think that's a big part of why I'm I I pay so much attention to things is because I just genuinely love it. Like it's something I never get bored of. Like I always want to ride a motorcycle and I notice when I'm riding I'm smiling, you know. Like it's just like little things like that. Like it's just so much fun. And you're absolutely right. When I am done, which you know, I'm getting 28, so I'm getting closer to that day. Um, I will absolutely still be in the sport. That will be no you know, question about that. I will still be hopefully at every single race still in some way. Yeah, see, and Kiefer would like that, right? Because as he brought up with, like, Will, he's like, I don't understand you guys that don't really just want to ride all the time, which Will said I, I haven't will, lost. I will be that guy that wants to ride. I yeah. can promise you that. I will be that guy that still wants to ride at, at least on weekends. I know that for <laughs> absolute fact. Sure. There's no way that I will not be able to just not be able to ride. Yeah. Let's uh, listen to a little more audio about them discussing riders' personalities. But these guys are so different personality-wise, all three that it, it makes it so exciting and fun day to day that it doesn't really even feel like work at this point. You look at Michael, at least what I see, it's almost like a beautiful mind. He's a thinker. Like, you can tell his yes. brain is working when he speaks. But do you, you're absolutely right, but don't you, and I, and I subscribe to the adage that motocrossers have to be a little bit dumb. You're I right. feel like you have to have something in Moronic your Moronic is a better word. To no, turn something off. Yes. Which is the care factor. Yeah. I don't yeah. give a shit factor in the brain is off. Yep. yep. Just off. Yep. Like, yeah, I, if right. I crash, I crash. I don't give a shit. That is, sorry, um, I'm buffering. I don't know what that is. That is what yeah. motocrossers have. I agree. Yep. I got to go faster. <laughs> he got, what, remember what he I said? I mean, honestly, we're going so fast now. It's like, you got to take chances. Yeah, if yeah. you're not risking it every day. He has to care for his life less. Remember? Yeah. That's yeah. what his teammate said. Yeah. He will go down a mountain. There's no trail. And this is what Gary used to tell me when he used to race Listen against you. He doesn't give a shit what is there. And Gary's like, I ain't going down that port. And he would just fly down past <laughs> Gary. And Gary's like, I don't understand it. Like, he doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. He just turns it off. Right. Dan, I want to go to you first. Like, I, I know what Kiefer's trying to say, right? And it, it's, he's somewhat true. Like, you have to be willing to hang it out to be at the absolute elite level. And even the guys in that middle tier of the pros, you know, like Justin or Kate or whatever, they're still, you got to hang it out. But to hang it out like we've seen, like like an Eli or a Hurlings or just where you're like mind-blowing, like you do have to turn off the concern for your body, for your health, I think, a little bit. And we're going to ask Justin his thoughts, but I would think you'd have to do that because I definitely, when I'm out riding, I don't even have the talent to go that fast. But to go at my absolute best or to find my best when I was even remotely decent, like there's a little bit of that, oh, but if I do this, I might get hurt. And you can't do that at that level. Yeah, I mean, that's honestly, that's the difference of winning races and championships versus not. If you're not able to turn your brain off and just send it 100% of the time, you're likely not going to win races or championships. And I, and I think that's what makes it special. And, and honestly, I think that's what 
you know, we've seen Eli be pretty dominant in years past. And, you know, he, uh, you know, had his, his first child and, you know, started maturing as, a, as an adult, you know, getting into family life and things like that. You start thinking in the back of your mind that there's, there's other things and you start thinking a little bit more responsible and you stop hanging it out at all times. And, mm-hmm. and I honestly, I think that's, I think that shows, I really truly do. I think that has something to do with it. Yeah, I do too. Just now from your perspective, you know, what do you think about that? And obviously, uh, Mathis is <laughs> his, uh, you gotta be a moronic or whatever. Like, I, I think that's just Steve being Steve, but what, what do you think about what they had to say about it? I mean, I think they're right. I, if you, if you want to win, you have to, be on that edge, um, you know, for 15 minutes or 20 minutes, depending on your class. It's, uh, it's something that I've always struggled with. Like in practice, I noticed like, like Osborne today was like, man, you need to like hang it out a little bit more. Like you have more in you, but I kind of ride conservative sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, well, I want to get to a one, you know, like, <laughs> right, right. That's my big thing is like, I don't collect a paycheck until I get there. So like I have to be there, you know? And, I'll notice that in the first couple rounds, I, it's every single year. I don't ride that good because I'm like, man, I got to get to the next one. Like I got to make sure I get through the season. But I, I think I'm kind of at the point now where I'm like, no, you got to send it. Like, especially in the 450 class, you have to go for it. Like the, if you don't do it, somebody else will. And um, yeah, I mean, you have to hang it out. Like there's, you, you can't be afraid of getting hurt. Like I'm not afraid of getting hurt at all. Like that's, I put, I swing my leg over that bike every, you know, every time knowing that that can happen, you know? So it's, uh, I'm not afraid of, of that by any means, but yeah, I mean, he, he's not wrong. You have to hang it out there to be, you know, a front runner, um, by any means you can't ride conservative and, and finish up front. Yeah. I was going to ask you, you answer the question, you know, if you've ever struggled with that. So it's cool that you were, you you were honest about that, and you you t- kind of mentioned you don't get paid until you get to a one. Um, let's pull away from Pulp for just a minute, and you're doing your own deal pretty much this year, right? JS, JS Motorsports, that's Justin Starling Motorsports, uh, full privateer basically. Yeah, it's it's good. It's uh it's a full privateer effort, but it's also at the same time I've got you know SKDA for graphics and their co title, and I got FXR for title, and both of those companies are two year deals. Nice. Um, so it's really, you know, I was talking about this today. I like I'm considered a privateer, but I'm not spending a dollar to do what I'm doing and I am getting a paycheck, you know, but that stuff, it all relies on, I have to, I have to line up, you know, it's just how it is. Right. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to really call myself privateer, but I started up my own, my own program. Um, just because I, I think it works well for me, um, to kind of make my own decisions um, and then also I'm the type of person where if like the certain bar I want to run or, you know, the certain brand I want to ride, I want to be able to do that. You know, I don't want to have to go sign with X team to run, you know, this certain brand when, you know, the other team's actually better, but they're on a different brand type thing, you know? And sure. for me, that's kind of important because I've never really gotten the options for a bunch of testing or anything like that. So it's kind of like, you know, this is what you got, ride it. Um, and then running my own program, I can make my own decisions and I get to test when I want to and, and all that. And since I've doing, like, I kind of did it a little bit last year, but this year it's really, I've really turned it into something with getting a sprinter van and, you know, the whole pit set up and, you know, my race bike's been done for a month already, you know, and, um, everything's perfectly in line and it's just, now it's just about riding the motorcycle and, um, yeah, doing it this way was definitely the best thing I've ever done with my career. And I wish I would have done it maybe five years ago. Wow. Well, that's good to hear, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you out there. 
Uh, yeah, like- let's move on to this. Um, so I want to talk to both of you about this, but Dan, as an amateur or, you know, just a vet rider like myself, this is, I want to touch base with you. This will, had talked about that. Yeah, I'd love to go do vet worlds, you know, it'd be fun to do, but I don't want to have to race Chris Kiefer and, uh, Travis Preston. And, and so Steve was like busting on him, you know, Oh, you only want to rate, go race if you can win. And this is a topic I've had with my producer on my show a bunch. And we totally disagree. Kiefer's response was, of course, he's a fucking racer. Yes. He wants to win. And that's kind of almost where I'm at it, where my, my producer's like, I just want to go race. I don't care where I finish or whatever. Like I, I dude, I don't, I don't think that's, that's not really a racer to me. Like, I mean, we want to win Dan. I mean, you know, even if it's just a vet, you know, local vet race, like, yeah, I want to, I want to compete with people at my level and I don't want to be in last place just riding around, you know, paying race, race, a uh, race fee to go practice by myself. Yeah. That's, that's how I am. I mean, I want to win. I, I don't, I don't do a lot of racing anymore. In fact, I'll probably do one race a year for the last couple of years. It's like a, uh, breast cancer awareness, a relay race. It's a four man team deal. It's, it's just a couple laps, you know, Nice. because I'm, I'm just not in shape anymore to, to go the distance and win. And, and honestly, what's a little discouraging is, you know, uh, I'm going to kind of call out Chad. The, the, the Pulpamex Glen Helen Chad oh, uh, from World Vets, you know, that's a classic example, man. It, it really sucks to, to go out there and know that you could be a front running guy, but get your ass kicked because a bunch, a bunch of guys are, are, you know, sandbagging. And I just, that really takes the fun out of it. And then honestly, if you're going to sandbag, how do you expect to get better? I mean, you sure you won, you won two classes, you, you won the class, you know, two classes below where you're supposed to be. What does that really prove, right? Yeah. So yeah, sure. That's kind of that's kind of frustrating. I know that 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 keeps a lot of people from racing, honestly. Yeah, and that's that's TJ's argument with uh, like me. I'm literally I'm still here in Texas. I'm in the novice class because I'm a top five guy in the novice class out here. And then you move the intermediate class, and once the gate drops, they're gone. Like I don't know where the fuck they went, and I'm riding by myself. So like that's not fun. So. You know, his thing is like, yeah, you know, you need to move up to get better, but you can't get better if they're gone. You're like, you're not learning shit. You're just like, you know, I don't know where they went. I'll just ride back here by myself. So, uh, anyway, that's, uh, we got, we got off topic of pulp, but Justin, <laughs> as a pro, like you, you haven't, you know, obviously you haven't won a pro race at the elite level, but you want to, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. That's why you go. Yeah, when I line up, I want to win. I mean, yeah. that's isn't like I I don't sit here and say like, oh yeah, I think I could win a heat race. I know that's not going to happen, but I mean, I do it because of the passion. But yeah, I mean, it's I I see Will's point, you know, with with wanting to go line up. I mean, he's an ex pro that's won, yeah. you know. So for him to go race something amateur, well, I guess the world championship, but you know what I mean. <laughs> of course, know? it's a world championship. <laughs> Hell yeah, it is. But, but like, so, yeah, it's, it's, it would be tough to, to line up, you know, with people that normally wouldn't be on your level, but now they're probably past your level because of how much they ride and how much you don't, you know? So I see his point, but at the same time, like, man, you just want to line up anyways. Like it should just be about the experience, you know, like sure. it should be about the, the fun you're going to have and, and all that. And dude, you're not going to, I went and did a race at Glen Helen for a two stroke thing and I got third. Yeah. I yeah. Got smoked. 
I got absolutely, sm- I went four, four for third, you know, like I got annihilated, but I had a blast, you know? So like, yeah, you, it's not always about winning. It's about the fun, you know? I mean, that's, that's why we do it. Yeah. And I think most of that conversation was in jest. It was bussing and balls joking, but I, I feel a little bit from both sides of that story. So like, yeah, I don't really, I don't, my point is, I guess I don't really want to line up for a race unless there's a possibility I can win. Like I might, I'm going to have fun if I don't win, but I want the opportunity to be like, well, I could win. So, you know, if I know there's not a chance in hell when I line up that I'm going to win, it's, it does take some of the fun out of it. That's just, that may just be. There's always a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, right now I'm tied for the points lead going into the first round. That's true. Good way to look at it, Justin. I dig it. You should go in with the red plate. You should just have a red background. Just show up and be like, well, aren't we all tied? Yeah. I mean, we're all at zero. I so, like I mean, it. We should be good. Yeah, just go out and ride practice with a red background. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hey, Dan, you know all. You know what? You know all about Guts Racing. That's stuff in your part of the world. But they were established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Lampson to McGrath in the 90s, Carmichael and Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky Pro Circuit and many more. If it's style performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the, on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. Dan, what do you know about Andy Gregg? Andy Gregg is a man. He actually just hooked us up with two seat covers for our we had a KX65 giveaway on our show, Yep, and uh, he hooked us up with the seat cover for that bike, and then, it's a long story, but he actually hooked up the second place kid as well Oh, nice. uh, with the seat cover, so uh, great company, great product, and he's a good dude. Yeah, I actually listened to that uh, episode of Schmain, I can't even say it the way Steve does, Schmain Amit Shmoto, uh, Monday. Come on, Dark Side, just call it what it is. Yeah, the main event moto show. Uh, but yeah, that was great. That's awesome that Andy did that for all those kids. That's fantastic. And I guess I can touch on this because fly racing is a sponsor of pulp mix. Um, I was going to get a set of gear for that kid and JT's like, yeah, I'm not taking your money for that. Fly racing handled it. So, um, yeah, fantastic sponsors of pulp mix always coming through, uh, great people and guts, obviously a sponsor of this wrap up show. Uh, and then to to tag on real quick on that. Uh, I mentioned Chad, the, the vet world, yes. Chad, Pulpamex. So Chad actually owns a, uh, a business and has a charity and also donated a pair of boots and a helmet to that cause as well. That's right. Kids, so. You did tell me yep. that. Yeah, and I think Chad's coming in to meet you guys, or is he going to be on the show? Uh, he's coming in to meet us next week, and I think, uh, yeah. Nice. Well, yeah, cool, Chad. man. Good people, man. See, we're, all, we're all a big family. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so back to this episode, though. Uh, Again, with Will Hahn, as I said at the beginning, all these guys in this show had these fantastic stories. And he, he touched on the story of working with Rocco and, you know, working out and going out and riding his hands blowing off the bars. He talked about that in a previous episode. But then he, he told this funny story, too. It's a funny story. One time my um, we went and raced, and I think it was somewhere in Oklahoma. But anyway, it was like Johnny Marley was like in his prime and uh, probably I think he was like a year or two from going like professional. But obviously when – we're watching him and Robbie Raynard and guys like that at the local tracks. You're like, holy shit, like, this is reality. Like, these guys are fast. And um, Tom couldn't race because he got a D or some, something, a bad grade in school, right? So he still came. And I remember Johnny's dad coming over talking to my dad. And shit, I must have been like 9 or 10. And um, 
he comes over, he's like, why isn't Tom racing? He's like, oh, you know, he got a bad grade. And he goes, you can't punish him for that. Have you ever met a smart motocrosser? He's like, just let him ride. He goes, you can't punish him for a bad grade. That's awesome. <laughs> Justin, I, I kind of feel like like if Steve could do a whole new show, like a, maybe do a 30-minute a or 45-minute single podcast on the Steve Mathis page and take riders like Will and say, Give me your five best stories of your career riding. Just funny story, whatever. We could be funny, exciting, dangerous. Like all these guys, like the Rich Taylor stuff we're going to talk about later. Like there's so many stories that, or, or, or somebody should write a book with stuff like this. Like I, I love that, right? I, I, how else are you going to hear these stories? They're so entertaining. I, I would pay for it. Yeah, Honestly, that, exactly. Stuff, I would, I would reach into my pocket and pay for that. And I am cheap. I'm a very cheap person and <laughs> I right. pay for that all day. Cause I like, I, I like to know about people's backgrounds or stuff you don't see at the races and, and like, you know, the vlog thing, I like watching the vlogs. It's behind yeah. the scenes stuff. Like that's, that's something I'm into. So when you hear stories about that and like, I mean, we were at the track today and Osborne and Corey Barbie, we were all talking about the, the, the push up thing, you know, like yeah. that's just part of it. like, it's, it was so funny. And, and like, I love to hear that type of stuff, you know, like it's, it's fun. It makes it more fun. It makes you more of a fan of them, you know, also yeah. to like know the stuff they were doing. And then he was like, yeah, well it actually didn't work. Cause we went like 14, 16, 17 or, <laughs> you know, whatever they said. And like, that's funny. Like I enjoy that. And like there, I'm sure that there are just endless stories, you know, that, that are going to come out and, you know, and over time. And, you know, it's like part of like, you know, the Stewart's new podcast, like just hearing those stories, I'm, I feel like they're going to be good. But, I, I, yeah, just, yeah. I would absolutely pay to listen to more Will Hahn stories or, you know, even, you know, the Rich Taylor stuff, like, or the one that he wants to say, like, I'm just, like waiting for him to come back on the show. Oh yeah. The Suzuki one. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So I'm just sitting here like, ah, oh, like I want to hear more, you know, but yep. yeah, I would pay for that. I would love to hear more stories from behind the scenes stuff from, from any rider really. Right. Yeah. Dan and, and Steve does stuff similar to that, right? He'll do the the Steve Mathis feed, right? He'll do a, an hour with Will Hahn or something, but I don't, I don't want to hear so much about your championship season. I want to hear when you were at, you know, out to dinner after the race and what happened and, you know, that night on the town or, or like stories like he just told, like, I, I want to hear not so much the moto related stuff, just the fucking stories of your life like that, like that or whatever. That's the, that's good stuff. It is. It's like it, like I said before. It's just it's it's what we can relate to. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we're we're all people, and uh, you know that's that's the stuff that people want, man. And, and and Steve does a pretty good job, you know, with his erasables and you know the one on one pod that he does, and and those are very intriguing to listen to. I agree. Uh, they did take an early commercial break, which I was I was a little like, what the hell's going on. Uh, but they were getting Shorty and Brayback and Jimmy Lewis in. And uh, this was probably my favorite segment of the night when those guys were in studio. Again, not a big off-road guy, but I think it's interesting. The Dakar stories, the high-dead stuff. Chris Kiefer mimicking Brayback, which was also sort of mimicking Gary Sutherland. And just at the end of the show, at the very, once that we go off, I'm going to play a few moments of his mimicking. So you guys stay tuned for that. But uh, the free-range kid stories, you know, Shorty's love of riding, Justin, like all that. This the whole segment with Andrew and Ricky, like I loved that. That was my favorite part of the show. I think that was my favorite part out of any show I've ever heard. To really? Be honest with you. Like I really, really enjoyed it, and I was 
really just intrigued in it the entire time because like I said, I don't know anything about it. Like I don't know. I, I, I couldn't even tell you really what their I know what their bikes look like, but like when you, when I would sit there and look at it, I wouldn't have a clue what any of it is. And, and the roadbook thing and all of that. And you know, the way that one guy's computer is different than the other, you know, and then how Ricky's like, yeah, I mean, I can go and get lost for five minutes, you know, and, and then how Shorty's really detailed on where he's going. Like that stuff was really intriguing to me because I don't know. So yeah, whenever I'm listening to something about Supercross or something, I kind of have an idea of some things or maybe I know something more than other people. But like when I listened to that, I was intrigued the whole time because I was like, Oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. Or, Oh, you know, that makes sense. And then all these things, like I thoroughly enjoyed the entire time. Like I loved it. I wanted them to just keep going. Honestly, yeah, like, yeah, me I, too. Just, I, I don't think I would have gotten bored listening to them for five hours. Like I, I really, really loved it. I agree. That's really cool to hear you say that. I, I like that. Dan, um, I, same thing, right? He, he he talked about the bikes and I have seen pictures of the bikes and video of the bikes and like, they look like a freaking star Wars X-wing cockpit or some shit. And, uh, but I like that, uh, you know, Brabeck would talked about, training with shorty and Kiefer asked you know did you ask permission and ray was like uh no why would i like it's so different from what we're used to yeah i loved it it, it i'm telling you man i i've, I've never been an off-road person yeah it really never interested me uh, but listening to those guys and you know the different terrain and stuff like that man i i i, I kind of have some interest in maybe doing some desert riding or something. It just, it was something different, man. It was so good to just hear something different. And I'll tell you, those bikes are wild. We, uh, we were at Paula for, um, one of the last, the last round this year. And, uh, they had those bikes out on the motocross track. And I think it might've been Toby price hit this massive double on that, on that bike. It was incredible. I mean, those things, I don't know what they weigh, but they've got to be, 700 pounds yeah i mean they're they're huge i feel like they talked about it on a show before maybe it was i interviewed ricky brabeck a couple of years ago maybe he talked about them but i think that yeah like 500 pounds or something four five hundred pounds yeah they're wild man yeah. But yeah just listening to the how they do the road books and just the different strategy and stuff i found really really cool yeah it's pretty interesting man those guys got big fucking balls dude god i couldn't i couldn't even imagine the speeds that they're going on some of those roads and stuff and I know they use steering stabilizers and whatnot, but man, one small mistake, you know, at 90 miles an hour and that's it. And I, 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 one of the coolest things that Shorty was talking about was that Alpine star inflatable uh, vest that they wear. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that is way cool. And if they could develop something like that for Moto and Supercross, um, that would be cool. But uh, again, I, I had no idea that that even existed. Yeah. I think they use that in road racing, right? Uh, Justin, isn't that pretty common? I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know that existed either. Oh, okay. I straight up, I had no idea. I was listening to that and I'm like, wait, what goes off? Like some type of life vest? It's like an airbag. Yeah. Here. It's like an airbag. Yeah. I'm, I started looking it up. Like, honestly, I started looking things up and just like today on the drive home, like I was sitting here <laughs> like, man, like I want to look into more Dakar stuff. Like I'm going to watch it. Like I'm excited about this. It's super cool. Yeah. I've watched those videos. And even, but like, Dan, you talked about the speeds they go. Hell, just the fact that you're out there in the middle of nowhere, like, listen to all the shit that Andrew said he packs in his vest. Like, fuck. Like, and you're going to go out yeah. in the middle of, like, Saudi Arabia, and, you, you you know, everything looks the same, I'm sure, in the dunes out there, and just figure out how to survive, basically. It's like Survivor, the show, 
but you're on a motorcycle and there's really no really no help no cameras and like i don't besides the dangers of just trying to survive you're also hauling ass like you talked about crazy crazy um, well, let me just say this yeah. when you have to pack a tourniquet <laughs> right. and knowing that exactly. you could potentially need to use a tourniquet <laughs> on yourself you got massive balls. yeah yeah i'm out dude fuck i'm that. out of <laughs> Yeah, and then I, the other thing that Ricky said, the one thing he was talking about riding in the desert out there by in the the high des near Hesperia, he said he either hit a tweaker or a pot farm. Dude, I spit water out. That was great. I, I don't know. He was just like, like he wasn't joking. He was just sort of real monotone, straight, you know, like, yeah, probably true. It's great. Uh, all right. So, obviously, there was a little bit of – Supercross coming up talk, and Steve asks Andrew what he thought. I think the younger guys, like the Sexton, Cincerillo, Ferrandis, I think this wave is coming if they can keep it together, you know. And between Kenny and Eli and Cooper, I feel like those guys, when it gets tough, unless they're going to win, I don't think they have the drive. And I would like to see all those guys be successful. There's always that point where the younger guys, they want it so much, you know, and there's that tipping point. And I think these guys are going to cross over this year. Cooper leaving Alden's program yeah. and going on his own, this is a, a huge deal. You know, Anderson left <clears throat> and was never really the same, but I think a lot of us are like, Anderson didn't want to work all in. Yeah, motivation. Right. Anderson was like, hey, man, I'm just going to cruise under here, use my talent to get podiums and, you know, Coop wants to win this thing. I know from people talking to people, like, he wants to show, you know, didn't end well. He wasn't stoked with Alden. I don't think Kenny can go 17 rounds without making mistakes or having a virus or, you know what I mean? If he can finish the season. He always starts off Yeah, I just feel like Kenny will have a race or two where something goes wrong. Honestly, I feel like Eli is a little past it already. He's older. He's, you know, he's put the nose to the grindstone. He's now got uh, a kid on the way and another kid. So he's just a natural progression of getting older. What scares me about this is their bike. I feel like it's arriving late with COVID and mm-hmm. getting parts and access. I don't think they have a lot of resources and right. the base in terms of the bike that they can lean on like years past. Yep. So I think they're going to run into some hiccups. And I think this is going to be a strong point for Kenny. He has a second year on the bike. And Eli's also going to a new bike, like you yep. said. That might be difficult. If Sexton starts beating Kenny regularly, too, that will be an issue, I believe. Um, and Ferrandis, DV... They'll be good. Yeah. I mean, it's DV. It's Villeman, so. I feel like I feel- we're going to get a more consistent Tomek. Okay. And I feel like his starts will be better. All right, Dan, there's a lot to unpack in all that audio, but you being the Kawasaki guy, and so obviously a huge AC fan, you were a huge Eli guy, there's a little bit of a difference opinion between everybody, well, a couple of them, on Eli. Like Steve says, I think he's kind of over it, basically, and and. Chris thinks, hey, I'm gonna, he's going to get better starts and be more consistent. And I know you touched on this on main event the other night about the starts, but uh, what are your thoughts on Eli? And then I want to know what your thoughts are on Cooper. Uh, this like being he has to do better. He has to win after leaving Alden. Those are two hot topics. So what do you think? Yeah, so you know, I, I look at Eli two different two different ways. He's either going to put it in cruise mode and, and finish this year out. And I don't know if he's got a second year deal or not. I think there's an option or something, but he's either just going to cruise it in or he's got this renewed energy uh, just from something fresh with the Yamaha. I will say that I, I think he, he looks pretty good on the Yamaha. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I think that still starts is going to be a challenge. I don't think that um, 
I don't think that that bike is going to be better for starts uh, like JT thinks. Um, that's just my opinion. But I, I, I honestly, I think, I think, I don't think it's going to take Eli to another title. That's that's my opinion. I think he'll probably be around the you know two, three, four area. Um, that one, I'm, I'm still, I'm still out to lunch on, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and then. What was the other question, Dark? Uh, the Cooper, Cooper was, Webb. He, just said, he he talked about. Steve talked about Cooper. It being really important for Cooper to go win the championship since he left Alden. Yeah, I I, I know a little bit of uh, some inside stuff on that, and and honestly, with that new bike being so new, um, I think that they're having some challenges getting parts for so on and so forth. That, that's a massive change. The yep. motorcycle is completely different. Um, I think they touched that. a little. Yeah, they touched a little bit about it, you know, maybe not being so good for Supercross as it was in years past. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if that if that does hold true. But with a whole new training program, a whole new bike, I, I kind of think that the, the the chips are stacked against them a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Uh, I'm, I'm, still, I'm Team Blue Crew now, so, you know. But, Justin, this, this segment was kind of my least – I was least interested in this topic of any of the topics they talked about. Like, I just sort of was like, I know it's a month away, but for whatever reason, I just wasn't that, I didn't care because everything else was so good. But uh, let's get your thoughts on those, that audio real fast and we'll move on. Yeah, I think same for me. I wasn't so interested, but I think it's also because I'm, I'm living it every day. True. You know, like I'm in it, you know, and I'm hearing about this stuff and, and all that. But I think, Tomac, from from what I've seen, which hasn't been much, he looks really good, um, and I'm I'm hoping you know it kind of I don't know sparks some like hey this is all new let's do this you know or something like that where it's you know it's all new and exciting, um, which would be cool. But I still think it's you're gonna kind of get the same Eli, maybe more consistent. I don't know. Um, I mean he gelled really well in the Cali, so. It's kind of hard to like say things are just going to magically be better. Right. Um, with Cooper, I think, and I've been around Burner, you know, a decent amount with Baggett, and I think Burner is going to help him a lot, you know, because I mean, if you look at Alden, Alden is really just the, the the training side, but it's no, you know, it's no, you know, fluke that like Cooper will do the work, you know, and I think he knows what it, he, obviously, he knows what it takes to win. So he's going to keep doing that. I don't think that's going to be an issue with him trying to train, but I think if you give him some, you know, some technique stuff and, you know, here and so on, and, and Bernard's still got a really good training program. I mean, the sky's the limit, but the scary thing's the bike, you know, it's a new bike. So you don't really know what you're going to get with that bike. I mean, that's the biggest thing. I, I haven't seen it in person. Um, I've seen obviously some video that's been leaked here and there and it looks good. But, you know, it's it's video, so you don't really know. Right, right. Um, yeah, I've already – I said when I was in the studio who I think is going to win the championship, and I'm going to stand by that. Uh, I'm going Dylan Ferrandez still. And you could take you could take parts of this story with everybody they mentioned and find a reason that, well, maybe they'll do better, and you can also break it down like, well, there's going to be these struggles. So it's hard to say. It's just, you know, obviously it's bench racing. It's good stuff. Um, speaking of Blue Crew – I'll be getting that two-stroke YZ250 pretty soon. So I got to be in full training mode, and part of my full training mode, guys, is mountain biking and riding BMX. 
and that includes Michelin bicycle tires. And you guys know all about Michelin motorcycle tires from the Pulp Mech Show. And the Pulp uh, Michelin bicycle tires are proud sponsor of the wrap up show. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. To this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products. Uh, you You doing some road biking and some mountain biking there, uh, Justin, getting ready for Supercross? Yeah, quite a bit actually. Um, a little less on the road right now. Yeah. Um, it's more. It's more just really putting the time in on the dirt bike, um, and then a, quite a bit on the mountain bike. Um, not so much like in the past couple months. It's been it's been a lot of hard rides, but now it's more like maintain the off bike stuff, like base stuff, um, and just get the laps in. Uh, just because we're so close, I don't want to burn out, you know, or get too tired. And um, you know, for me recovery is really important because i am getting mm-hmm. older so um yeah so it's more more or less a lot of riding right now um and then just like base mountain bike rides on the e-bike no uh no standard bike we got e-bike right on okay hey let me let me ask you this you've been in the studio a few times is there anything and i may have asked you this before on the here but is there anything that was like really stands out a memory a cool thing you know doing something with steve um just is there a memory of being in studio that stands out you're like that was really cool uh honestly this might sound super cliche but just being in the studio is cool um just because you always see photos of it and you know you watch it and and all that and it's it's you know it's cool to see and i I always like you know when i every time i get there i've been there three times and i still just stand around and look at things you know um, I wouldn't say there's anything that's like been like, wow, that's really crazy or anything like that. But I just, just being there is cool. Like I, to me, that's like, you know, for the average person going to Stewart's, you know, I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. okay. I'm, I know I'm putting Steve up against Stewart here that's, that's on big. the same pedestal, but it's like that for me because I enjoy the show so much that it's the same as like when I'm going, you know, even to Jack's place, I enjoy it so much that being there is really cool. I really enjoy it. So that's kind of how it is for me when I go into a studio. It's like, man, this is like something I really enjoy, and now I'm here. So, yeah, I guess it'd be like for the average kid going to Stewart's place and just being like, wow, this is unbelievable. Like, I'm a big fan of this guy, yeah. and now I'm at a facility that, you know, created tons of championships. Well, for Steve, it's, you know, all these great shows that have occupied, you know, thousands of hours of my time, and <laughs> now I'm here, you know. Dan, that's pretty big, dude. I mean, I feel like basically what he's saying, I've been in studio twice, so I've basically been to James Stewart's twice. Pretty much, dude. That's that's a huge comparison. I love it. Yeah. I don't know if I should, like, tell Steve he said that because that that may be – I don't know. That might make that head a little bit bigger. You should probably just edit that out of this show because, yeah, can you imagine what he's going to do with that? Yeah, no shit. That's awesome. Uh, Okay, so – Let's move on to Rich freaking Taylor, racer, tester, owner of X Brand, and. I might fall from a tall building. I might roll a brand new car. Cause I'm the unknown's man to make red for such a star. Yeah, the Fall Guy theme song. 
Rich Taylor, a freaking stuntman, dude. I don't know about you guys, but like as a kid, you guys are younger than I am probably. I know Justin is. I grew up watching the fall guy. I mean, like, how cool would it be to be a stuntman, you know, or the Dukes of Hazard and slide across a car and do all this cool shit. And Rich Taylor does that shit, Dan. Yeah. That was my that was my childhood dream is to be a stuntman. So I, I it is the coolest thing, man. He he's got some really cool stories about that too. Yeah. Going back to the podcast type thing we talked about, like he's done stuff with Rich Taylor, but just do a story, like a, a story time with Rich. Uh, not even your testing stories. I've heard those. Give me some, give me some stuntman stories. Give me some, you know, uh, stuff like that. But like the stuntman stuff intrigues me so much, Dan. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, that's that's a unique job, man. I mean, yeah. that's, there's not that many people in the world that are a stuntman, so it's very unique. And just think about it: the movies that we watch that have the stunts in them and, and whatnot. Um, it's kind of crazy that one of our moto guys does that. Yeah, well, you know, and obviously uh, we know Dave Castillo does it, um, but Justin, like, I don't know, dude, that's just so fucking cool. I had no idea. Really? I mean, honestly, what's okay. going on about all that? I I don't know a whole lot about Rich. I've worn the goggles a few times, but it was it was team deals, um, so I never really dealt with them. To be honest with you. Um, I know of him. I know of his kid and all that, but I had no idea he did any of that. Like that to me was another thing that I was really intrigued in because I was just kind of a little bit mind blown the whole time. I don't, but then again, at the same time, you could put him in front of me and I, I wouldn't know who he is. I don't know what he looks like. So I don't know any of these things. So that to me was, was pretty crazy. Um, just to know that, you know, the guy from X brand does all that. I, you just, I, you literally, I could have put my money on. I had no idea. Yeah, and I don't remember specifically right now what movies he's been in, but you, I, I'm almost positive if you look at IMDb and put his name in, the, the movies that come up. And same with Dave Castillo. Um, I Anybody that knows me, I'm a huge Dak Shepard fan. Uh, so like Chips, I think Dave Castillo did a lot of the stuff in that movie. I know he's – Dave is one of Dax's like stuntmen. Um, if you watch Chips, you see all the asterisks or the – yeah, I think it's asterisk and Ace Alpine Stars and – that's all in there in the movie because of Castillo. So that stuff is cool. Um, dude, I don't know. I just love that shit. So yeah, that's rich is just a bad dude. Dan, his stories, like he, I think earlier in the show, maybe it was X brand or might've been X brand question. That was like, well, who's the best storyteller and rich's name came up and he is really good at just his stories. He is. He's uh, it's like his, his voice and whatnot just kind of captures you. You're like, you really listen and pay attention to what he's saying. It's it's kind of like, you know, there's certain people that have that ability to actually capture your attention and keep it. And yeah. Rich Rich definitely has that ability and man his stories they're just they're just awesome. I mean, it's it's a it would be most people's dream to do the kind of things that he does. So, way cool. Yeah, and funny thing is uh uh Justin, you kind of said that like you don't know him, right? But I've I've known him a, a little bit for a few years, not near as well as Steve does. But a lot of times, like after the show or the next day, I'll talk to him because, you know, I kind of work for him for X brand out here in Texas. And I'll be like, dude, that was really great. That was cool. And I'll get responses from people about how great uh, of Rich on the Pulp Show. Like I'll get people reaching out to me and I'll send that stuff to Rich. And he's like, really? They thought that was cool. Like he doesn't even, I don't know that he really realizes he's just super humble, like how cool his life has been. Yeah, it made me a fan of him to, to hear, you know, how humble he is right there. Like yeah. that was cool. Um 
he had good stories. It was it, it had me intrigued the entire time. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I did I just didn't know much about him. I, I know of his name and all that. Couldn't tell you what he looks like, but. I will say that I'm intrigued now to kind of see if I can't watch something about this guy. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and learn a little bit more. And I also, um, to kind of, I mean, I don't wear his goggles now. Um, I'm a hundred percent guy and actually FMF goggle guy now. Um, but man, I, I really like how he runs his ship there, you know, with kind of doing the privateer thing and really yep. focusing on that. Um, that makes me a big fan of what he's doing. Um, just because, you know, it's, everything's always factory guy, this factory guy, that, but he's like, no, we're going to focus on the privateers yep. and have a bunch of them. And I'm like, that's cool. So yeah, everything, he, everything he said, I really actually like thoroughly enjoyed. That's it was cool. Really cool. Well, I'll give you a little backstory for me. Like growing up, reading the magazines, I always saw Rich Taylor's name and I just thought that was cool. Right. I didn't really understand what a test rider did. Uh, I didn't know his background. I was just a teenager or whatever. And I'd see his name all the time. So I thought he, he, he must be badass. Um, and when I first discovered X-Brand Goggles, it was because my buddy had a little shop. They were an MTA dealer, and MTA carried X-Brand, and they were cheap. I was like, well, I'll buy a few of those. And I got like three or four sets, and they were really great goggles. And I was riding at Trampus Parker's track, and I had a rock hit me in the goggle, and it hit the tab, the tear-off tab, the little you know, on the lens, and it broke that tab off. So I was like, well, that sucks, dude. I'm poor. I'm broke. I, you know, I barely can afford the three pair of goggles I bought. So Monday morning, I call the number for X-Brand. And, hey, this X-Brand, this is Rich. And I was like, uh, like as in Rich Taylor? He said, yeah. And I said, like, the Rich Taylor. He's uh, yeah. Like, he, you know, and I was like, holy shit, this is so cool. Wait, you remembered his name? Yeah, I knew he owned the company anyway. No, but like you remembered his name, like when you talked to him, unlike yeah. me. Kind of thing. Oh, oh, yes, 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 Justin. Okay. I, I was not going to bring that up tonight, but way to go. <laughs> uh, yes, I remembered Rich Taylor's name. And anyway, he was super cool. I told him what happened. A week later, a box shows up with like three or four lenses, a hat, um, an extra strap. Like he sent me all this stuff. And I was like, okay, dude, I'm X brand for life as long as this company exists. Because if I had been wearing another brand of goggle, like say I'd been wearing Oakley, right? The biggest, probably the biggest company in goggles. I'm not going to be able to call and talk to the owner and have him be like, yeah, dude, I got you taken care of. They're not going to give a shit. Get a call back. What's that? So you'd be lucky to get a call back. Exactly. They're probably not going to even care. Like, well, order another, or another lens. And I don't want to tell you. So yeah. yeah, rich, rich is just a good, good guy on top of his stories. And the company, like you said, he, you know, it's a small company and he, he, it's a passion company. And I really appreciate Rich. So I thought it was fantastic. Let's listen to a little bit more audio from him. The old two-strokes and stuff were easy because, you know, they change a, a, a power valve spring or something. You notice it. Like, you know, there's there's usually a pretty big difference. But with FI and anything electrical, really, especially when the when the Japanese send over, you know, an electric engine, one of their engineers who developed, you know, the programs and the maps and that, they'll change it so minutely and they'll say go ride and so you go do your couple laps and come in and you're just like holy shit i you know i think it might have hit a little better or it, you know it may you know have a little better over yeah like it's so hard to tell because they're changing such a minute percentage in certain areas that it's it's literally you know i i remember at suzuki one time i was getting so frustrated i'm just like 
change it big. Just do a big change and let me try it right now. Mm-hmm. Because I have, I'm lost. I'm completely fucking lost. I have no idea where I'm at because they were doing these itty bitty tiny percentages there and you bust your ass and you're like all right this is this is a good setting like this is good we're gonna this is this bike is fucking good and then nine times out of ten the production bike shows up and it's a lot different it's completely different the suspension guys will put your shock that you just did they you know you you signed off on this shock so they go in, they put it on the dyno, and they go, okay, we can change this part, that part, and that part. And on the dyno, it looks the same. Well, those parts that they changed could make that shock on the track completely fucking different. And you're like, fuck, man, I worked my ass off on that bike. I know it's good. And then it shows up, and maybe it's not as good as it was. So you, you know, and then it goes to the magazine, and the magazine says it's a piece of shit. And you're just like, fuck. Right. What? Like, come on. Like, yeah. it's so, it can be so, like, my first 10 years of doing it, I would get so freaking frustrated. Uh, Dan, the testing stories are so intriguing to me because, one, it's so alien to me that you could be so in tune with these every little minute thing that's going on. Unfortunately, I'm a guy that just kind of jumps on the bike and I go and, you know, I mean, I know if it's terrible or not, but like what they do is so foreign and like, it's, it's hard to wrap my brain around. It's just a different breed of person that can be a tester. Yeah. I mean, you really got to be in tune with what you're doing and, and you got to consciously think about what the motorcycle is doing for the average guys like you and I, we just want to get on them and ride them, right? We don't exactly. really, we don't want to mess with them very much, and and so on and so forth. But um, those guys, man, they they definitely have a, a unique skill set in in the, the fact of being able to feel every little tiny change. But I think Rich was, you know, hit it spot on. A lot of times, you know, if you you think the forks might be too soft or too stiff, and you you know you go one one click at a time, well. The average guy is never going to feel that. You got to go five, six clicks in either direction, and then see, you know, exactly where you need to go. Um, yes, yeah, so I think it was. It's funny when he said, you know, those little minor changes that even though they they can't feel at times, which is which is, you know, I, I would I would think that you know changing uh, uh, mapping by one percent or two percent. Um, I can't imagine anybody, anybody being able to feel that, you know? Right. It, it, the cool thing, one of the cool stories that I've heard from him, like he told Monday night, and then Chris has talked about this before, is when they do these little minor things or, like, they try to trick the guys. And and, uh, and when Kiefer's talked about, like, or or Rich, and they, they realize, like, uh, well, no, you didn't do anything or – or, he, or they notice it or whatever. Like, like that still, again, just mind-blowing how in tune, as you said. Uh, Justin, when you hear this stuff, is there anything about testing that makes you want to be a tester? Uh, yes and okay. no. Okay. Um, I'm not very good at it, to be honest with you. Like, my fork setting um, that I'm running right now is actually Jacob Hayes' 2020 setting. <laughs> like, like I, it's a little bit stiffer for a 450, but it's still basically the same setting. And I just really liked it. Uh, it took me a month to figure out a shock setting. Um, I could not figure out what I liked. And right now, obviously I'm on a gas cast now from a KTM, Yep. but it's, I mean, it's the same bike, just different plastic. Um, but I am on the exact same settings 
okay. from last or from like this past supercross season because i i get lost like i'm really bad at testing like it sucks to say that but it's something that intrigues me like i want to be better at it so in a way i would like to say like yeah i would like to do that because i would like to learn you know um but at the same time i'm the type of person where my bike is to me feels perfect right now that i don't want to test it because i don't want to get lost in something sure and but at the same time, like, you know, when I'm done riding and, and you know, I'd like to try the testing thing for a little bit to see if I can't figure it out. But it would be hard for me to do it because the first couple of days they would be like, hey, so what do you feel here? And I'm like, well, uh, it's good. Yeah, you know, right. Like that yeah, would be, yeah. Like that would be my responses, which sucks, you know, to say, you know, and, but that's just how it is. Like those guys are I really like I've, I've texted Kiefer every year, you know, for the last couple of years, like, hey what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Because he knows so much. Um, but yeah, those little, those little changes, like it's hard to tell. Like it really is for me. Like I, I know I'm five click sticker stiffer on my shock and I can feel that, but I couldn't tell you if that was five or 10 clicks, you know, like that's just kind of <laughs> how it is. You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. If you went another three, I'd be like, yeah, it feels the same. I don't, I don't know. You know? <laughs> that doesn't so, make me feel so bad though. I, I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, Dan, as a friend of Jacob Hayes, I don't mind Justin using his clicker settings, but God, I hope he doesn't dress like him. Yeah. No fashion Justin, advice. Just make, sure, just make sure your shorts go past your knees <laughs> yes. and they're not skin tight. The shorts I'm wearing right now, my underwear is showing out of them. Oh, boy. Oh, Lord. So, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say they're super short. I mean, I'm wearing yeah. riding underwear still. I have a shower from riding, but I, I, I can't stand when it goes past my knees. I can't do it. Oh, the youth. Well, he was bit. talking about something about some rips or something where I, I don't know if they, if you intentionally cut them or something to make them look cool or frivoly or do you, I, he was talking about, I'm like, man, I, I don't even know. You need to put some freaking pants on. Yeah. I enjoy, <laughs> I enjoyed you guys. Uh, this last show, you know, get him shit about wearing his wife's clothes. And he's like, yeah, whatever. He doesn't care. No, hey, I, him and I don't dress a whole lot different, to be honest with you. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe I'm trying to be like the guy. I'm running his fork setting, and you know, I dress, we dress the same. We get along well. I've known him since he was maybe six years old. <laughs> He's a good. Just don't dude. let anybody catch you in Forever Twenty One, Justin. Right. You're good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I won't. I won't be on there. Uh, that, <laughs> that's not. That's not my thing. There, I won't <laughs> go in there. <laughs> All right. One. One more uh, story from RT. I actually got to ride. Hannah's bike. Oh yeah, the eighty five um, up in Idaho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, it was, it's kind of a funny story because my dad was there, and we were at this, you know, mountain track that we had up in Sun Valley, Idaho. And he's like, "Yeah, take it, go, go for a lap." And I'm like, you know, so I'm like shaking because I'm like fucking. For one, it's Bob Hanna, yeah. you know, and I, we were buddy, we were friends with him and, and, you know, but still I'm like, I'm going to fucking ride Bob Hanna's bike right now. Yeah. And right when I took off, he told my dad, he's all, watch this. He's going to stall it. My dad's like, uh, what? And sure enough, the first turn I went into, I stalled it because the brakes were so fucking gnarly yeah. on the bike. Yeah. I immediately stalled it. And I was just like, oh my God. I had a 125 at the time, a Yamaha or something. And, and it felt much lighter than than my than my 125 production it's bike. just nuts like yeah. i was talking to dave about all the innovations on this thing you know and even even hansen's 82 bike was the first one with the low boy tank and and the, and, and all of that and i was talking to dave and dave's like yeah we were doing this and this 
And I'm like, fuck me, man. Those other OEMs just had no chance. You know, and, you know, and I already knew how, how you know, amazing the guy was. So I was, like, so intimidated. And I'm just like, fuck, like, we have a good thing going. How come he has to come in and he's, now he's the head of HRA and uh, Honda R&D? And I remember the first time he came out there and he's standing there with a notepad and he's kind of side-eyeing me when I came in and I'm trying to explain what the bike was doing and stuff. He's like, huh, uh uh-huh, all right. And he's kind of side-eyeing me and kind of nodding his head and and he kind of did that all day. And uh, Bill Orr was sort of my boss who, you know, when the day was over, I'm like, Bill, what what the fuck's up with him? Like, you know, he didn't say much to me. He's like, he's probably just, you know, that's the way Dave is or whatever. Fast forward, like, you know, a couple months, and he was like, yeah, I just wanted to see if you knew what you were talking about. So I was telling the Japanese to, you know, turn the clickers certain ways and trying to fuck you up, and just totally he was trying to mess with me. Oh, wow. And and just and totally intimidating me at the same time by kind of side-eyeing me and just sort of like, I I mean, I wish you could see my face right now because I'm trying to do what he was doing, and he he was just, like, giving me that, like, you don't know what the fuck is, you know, like, what are you talking about? But I kind of, you know, I was pretty sensitive back then, and I was sort of nailing it. So at the end of the day, I ended up doing all their race team testing and everything else after that. But it was it was pretty funny how he just so into. And then he, it was funny because we would go to Japan, and he would kind of do it to the Japanese engineers as well. Uh, great story. Uh, hey, Justin, I know you've got all your sponsors and you know your parts coming in, but if for some reason you ever needed something pretty quick motorsport.com probably has everything use you use them yeah kind of, like kind of often their oem stuff is good fantastic that's a great great plug right there i mentioned last wednesday when i did this wrap up that i had ordered some parts for my 06 rear shock i'm literally looking at the box right here that came a couple days ago but those who ride dirt bikes motorcycles atvs and utvs obviously from justin starling know motorsport is the best place for oem and also aftermarket parts riding gear and accessories Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motorsport.com. few more things here, guys. Um, I have a Race Tech rant, and that Race Tech rant is there was no Race Tech rant Monday night. And once again, no Kiefer after dark. That's bullshit. Last time Kiefer was in, when I was in studio, ran out of time, no Kiefer after dark. Kiefer did say, I need at least three questions. So, guys, get your damn questions in. We need Kiefer after dark to come back. I, I like it. Hey, but no race tech rant, Dan, pisses me off. You know what? Now that you've said that, I didn't even I didn't even notice, to be honest. Well, that's terrible. <laughs> well, I mean, Steve, Steve tends to rant on a lot of different subjects, yeah. so... He had rants. Uh, maybe I just, he definitely just, had just rants. wasn't an official. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He had rants throughout the night. Like he, he got back on the Glen Helen thing, comparing it to the AZ Open and how much better the AZ Open functioned. And, uh, you know, and Kiefer kind of, he ranted about the Supercross futures and them having a round of, you know, the, this recently at AZ, or not at Paula, I think he said on the, on the outdoor track to get points for that or whatever. And that's all bullshit. That's crazy. I, we're not even going to get into that, but. No official race tech rant. I don't dig that. Um, yeah, so that's not cool. Uh, that's my rant. It's not a major rant. Uh, but the next little question, next audio I have that I want to touch on, and Justin, I'm going I'm to get with you on this one. Let's listen to the audio first. From Barsha's lost neck brace, is life swap still a thing? 
Yeah, it's happening, right? It's happening. Yeah, we just don't know. Like we wh- gotta, we gotta nail those details down because Steve thinks he's not gonna ride every day. Like I'm not riding every. No, you're gonna live my life. You can't give me the hardest possible week of your life to do. I'm just giving you a right, week, right? And that week could be fucked, right? And you're hosting the fantasy show, and Marks, you have to come over. And turn- I'm fine with computers, Marks. No, he's not. He is not. I'm so, fine. Marks, you need to. Come over and start the server for him and stuff. Oh, lordy. Fantastic. Don't fucking worry about what's going on over yeah, here, okay. all right? All you right. just pay you attention to... to play fantasies so you can do the fantasy show. No. Yep. Listen. Courtney's coming in. He has to play Test Rider, okay? So... I'm going to... And gonna... you have to play Amateur National Dad. No problem. Me and me and Aiden, we'll, we will get along perfectly. Uh, Justin, I'm going to go to you first. And without a flashback to your childhood, how do you think this goes? <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm not... We're not even... We're just going to move on. How do you well, think... It- this one's more like a husband swap. Yes. Uh, yes. So it's a little different than you know, the show that I was on. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's cool. I'm excited for that one. Um, I think it's like, Steve's not really going to understand. He doesn't understand exactly what keeper does. So I like, he understands it, but he doesn't understand how much he does and how much you have to do to be as precise as keeper is. You know, I think if keeper rode, half the time his stuff wouldn't be as good. You know what I mean? So, um, I think he needs to just suck it up and ride as much as he needs to ride, um, for that. And then when it comes to, you know, keeper going into the studio, uh, yeah, March is there when Steve's doing stuff. So he should be there. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. I, I, I was really surprised when they, they first talked about this, at least as far as I know, when I was in studio and we talked about it beforehand before the show, I was like, there's no way this happens. Like, I don't believe for a second, Dan, Steve's going to go stay at Kiefer's house for a week. Like, I just don't buy it. Like, maybe two nights, and then they call it off. But what do you think? I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to imagine in my head who's going to struggle more than the other. And my my gut tells me that Steve is going to struggle way more than than Kiefer's going to struggle. Um. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got lots of questions that probably cannot be answered on any of these shows. So I, I don't know. I want to see how this plays out. Okay, well, I'm gonna, I want to know what your questions are. But first, like the thing I think Chris will struggle with the most is the fact that he's not doing the testing that he's supposed to be doing and not writing as much. If he really plays if – if they really swap lives, basically – Chris needs to be riding all the time. He feels like he has to be testing every day to be doing his job. He'll struggle with that. I don't think he'll struggle with doing the show or the shows, the fan. He'll figure that out. Like he can just, you know, he can fake his way through that almost. But yeah, Steve going to testing and not being at home and, and Steve likes his routine. Uh, but like, anyway, what, what, give me a couple of your questions that you have. Like what comes to mind? Well, well, I mean, for, I don't. I mean, for what? I don't. I, there's a couple that I that I just can't ask. Okay. You know what I mean, All right. right? Like, like how how intense and how deep into this life swap are we actually going? Okay. Here's one question. I'll just give it to you right now. All right. Where's Where's Mathis sleeping? Where's Where's Keeper sleeping? I would well. I would assume that Mathis is going to sleep in the guest room, and Kiefer can sleep in any one of the other wings of the house at the mansion. Okay. They're not going to sleep in the same bed. I mean, they've already kind of touched on that. It, it was sort of a joke, but yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, no, Hank. Yeah, so I, 
I was wondering, yeah, just how 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 entailed are they actually? Yeah, not quite that far. Yeah, it's it's right. it's, okay. it's not going down that road. It's more about the work and just being seeing what the other one does day to day. I think um, I, I will be very surprised if this goes more than forty eight hours, but I may lose. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see. A couple more things to touch well, on. Oh, go ahead. I think they got to go more than forty eight hours, though, right? I mean, I if just you're going to so. get a true test, yeah, I think it's supposed to be a week. I don't think Steve will make it a week, personally. I just, yeah. I think you're right. Steve's going to want to come home. Yeah, I just don't see it. Well, I, I, I think Steve's going to get feel smoked after riding that that much. You know, as much as Keeper rides, man, he's going to be one sore puppy. Yeah, I don't think he can really. He's not in shape to do that, and that's kind of what he was touching on. Don't give me a fucked week where you're that busy, but I think, I think Chris is almost always that busy. So yeah, it'd be interesting. I can't wait till the after, the after life swap show. That'd be, should be very good. And hopefully a lot of it gets video and we have a lot of uh, vlogging or, you know, just content from it. A um, couple more things I want to touch on. We're about to wrap this thing up. Jason Thomas did call in. He was in Hawaii. I was really surprised his comment on the 09 Honda that it sh- they should have, you know, tested it. And then scrapped it and not even come out with a bike that year. Justin, that, that made me laugh. That was pretty good because he hates that bike. Yeah, and I thought I had heard multiple times that that bike was good. No. So when I heard that, I was confused because, I mean, I, I obviously wasn't – I was on a 450 at that time, but I was on Suzuki, which at that time that bike was amazing. Still is, honestly, amazing. But, yeah, I, I didn't know that that bike was so bad. I, I had been under the impression I thought that bike was good. No, that's the uh, bike everybody hates except for Andrew Short, pretty much. See, I thought Millsaps had said that he liked it. So uh, maybe, I think maybe you're right. I'm lost, but I could have sworn he said that bike was good. I do think you so, said that, but again, that's at that factory level. It's not the, the production bike people right. hated. Yeah, what what Jason was running compared to Davey or Andrew was not even remotely the same thing. Right. So right. I could see absolutely where maybe production that thing was not good and those guys could say it was good because if they didn't like something they could just change it. True, true. Yeah, but that was I remember the twelve the, the twelve was uh, was basically the same bike and they made a few little revisions through those years. But uh, I I thought the two thousand twelve was actually a good bike. I, I rode one and I liked it. Yeah, I think they. The, I think whatever revisions they made, people seem to like. But the 09 just has a terrible reputation. And it, at this point, it may be a little bit blown out of proportion. Who knows? You know. Yeah. Uh, okay. At the end of the show, me being a big music fan, they have this idea for music. You get to, if you win at an amateur national or whatever, you get music played when you come up on the podium. Logistically, I don't see it working out. Uh, they also mentioned Creed being one of the top ten bands of all time, which fucking blows my mind. You guys, Chris and Steve's opinions on music sometimes just it's it's not hanky jory. I can tell you that it's bad. But I would definitely Justin or Dan like if you know if I won my class and I could walk up to like Pantera Walk or something that fires me up, that would be kind of cool. I don't know. Just Dan, what do you think, man? So, you know, Zeb Armstrong runs rep racing up here. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, I talked to Zeb about it, and, I, and I'm like, dude, so what are you like? Dude, there's just no way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I I don't know. I, I think it's a I think it's a cool idea just logistically. I, I just don't see how that could ever take place. No, and I talked to Chris. Like, we were texting afterwards about it, 
Uh, and I was like, okay, like maybe if like when you're going up to the podium, or, okay, you come off the track and you win, you'd almost have to have somebody right there and go, all right, hey, we have a, a list of 12 songs, pick one. And you pick one, and then by the, when it's your turn to go up on the podium, they have that song. They'd have to have it like ready to go. And, but you're still going to have bikes going in the background. It just doesn't work, but I don't know. It'd still be fun, Justin. I don't, I don't know. It's kind of like when you come out for open ceremonies, man. If you got a song that fires you up and is not Creed, it's, it's kind of badass. Yeah, I mean, for me, I could relate to this quite a bit. Um, I actually te- texted Kiefer and okay. Steve about it. Uh, oh, boy. Because when, when I'm in Europe, I, you know, I get opening ceremonies and I get to pick a song and it's always cool, you know? Like, yeah. I always pick something that's kind of, like, will fire up the fans. Even if, like, I'm not the biggest of fan of it, I, I, I always want the, the crowd's, you know, like, approval kind of thing over there. Um, so it, it's pretty cool, but uh, I actually, when I won the Dutch Supercross, and they so they didn't do it in 2019 when I won, but when I won it in 2017, um, right when I was getting ready to, like, they announced my name, and as I started walking to the podium, they played "We Are the Champions" by <laughs> That's uh, cool. Queen. Yeah, and I have the video of it. I sent it to Steve, and I was like, "Dude, I still kind of got like chills when that happened because I was just like, dude, yeah, I kind of just won a championship. Like, that's oh yeah, pretty, that's pretty legit." And when I was listening to them talk about it, I'm like, "Man, that would be so cool because I am huge. I, I love music." And my mood is always kind of based off of the music I'm listening to. And like, you know, if I need to get pumped up, I listen to something that's going to pump me up. And, you know, like there's so much emotion in music. And when you win something, there's so much emotion in that. So if you could do something that's like one of your favorite songs or something like when you're walking to the podium, like that would be like, you know, two of the coolest things mixed into one that I think you couldn't really top. So for me, I can understand it because when I heard We Are the Champions, I was like, that was awesome yeah like yeah. i was like don't even really care for that song too much like i i like it but it's not something i'm gonna sit here and listen to while i'm working on a motorcycle but it was just like the feeling it gave me when i was walking up to the podium and i'm on the podium holding up the number one plate and the trophy and all this stuff and i'm hearing that song i'm just like man that it almost got me more pumped than i was like like quite a bit more oh, of course so dude. I, can, yeah. I can fully relate to it but there is no way in hell it could ever work. Like not for amateurs. Pros, yes. Amateurs, no way. Yeah, There's no way. Just, Justin, is there any chance that you would pick Creed as one of those songs? No way. Yeah. Here's <laughs> all right. So Steve, now and, that song they played was I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, they're not bad it's not songs. I would pick. You know, it's not something I'd pick. They're no. not bad songs, but the songs like Kiefer gets fired up to. I, I almost feel like it's like soft rock. It's like, it's not, man, this is going to come across, but like, it's to me, it's not manly rock. Like, you know, I'm a hard rock guy. And lately I've been into like nineties punk stuff. I've been going through all strung out Pennywise, like nonstop, but like, I want that, like, though. to me, that's not a bad thing to be on. Yeah. Like something aggressive that makes you want to be like, fuck yeah, man. You know? And like, I texted him, I was like, corn's blind. The intro to that, that no, 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 no are you and then it kicks in you know like fuck it gets well, you fired up. started with that for a while yeah like that kind of yeah. stuff i get but then he he talks about like third eye blind good band not fire me up kind of shit though so i don't know see that's no. like creed to me third eye blind is like that's just the same as creed yeah it's mellow it's mellow rock like they're they're not a bad band uh like the band creed the band not scott stapp is now alter bridge good band like 
I just didn't like Scott Stapp and I that whole fake shit he did. I, I that's kind of what turns me off to those guys. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just they're they Van Halen's cool, man. Van, you cannot knock Van Halen. But those two guys are into some pretty mellow music sometimes, you know. And I'm like, man, like where's where's the aggression? I need aggression. Anyway, all right. Last thing, the JS7 pod. They barely touched on it. Over under. They'd asked about an over under. I don't think they ever actually gave a number. I say two to three episodes. Justin, what it's do you think? Six or seven. Okay, somebody did. Who who said that? Was that Kiefer? I think uh, Steve. Said, well, actually, um, I think his wife said seven. Okay, which made sense for seven, and then uh, uh, yeah. I think they said around six. Okay, I, f- I think they both kind of touched on it. I don't think they said like that stuff for sure. They yeah. think, but they were like, yeah, probably somewhere around six. Do you think he gets that many? I mean, you know him a little bit, right? Uh, yeah, but not like the retired side. Yeah, of him. yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. It's uh, I, I really hope it goes a lot more. Because, I do too. I do too. I would love to hear the stuff he's going to say because now he's done. You know, he's out of it. He can say whatever he wants to say. Um, so I hope that's the way it goes, but man, if I sit here right now and I'm sure Dan can agree with this and I, I try to think about how this is going to go, I can't see it going more than four. It's a lot more work than people think, Dan, you know, this, you you know, this now, I mean, you've been really, really more heavily involved with main event in the last year than in the past. And I mean, you know how hard this shit is. Yeah. And that's my, my number's four. And it's the same exact reason why it's a lot of work, and uh, you know there's not there's not a lot of money in podcasting. I think you could probably attest to that dark side. I can, and, and that's I just, not the case if you're Pulp MX. Well, yeah, I mean you've got mansions and stuff, but for the average folk, right? Man, it's it's a lot of work, and I just I, I question whether or not he's going to want to put in that much work. And, and honestly, it goes back to the passion, right? I mean he. He disappeared from us, you know, abruptly, and he, and he was gone. Now, does that mean he has passion, you know, or, or doesn't have passion? I don't know. But, you know, to me, if you truly have passion in something, you don't just up and leave and ghost ghost everybody like that. You know, we're all different. So I could be totally off base here. But, yeah, man, I don't – I'm excited to hear what, what it's about and what he has to say and, you know, what guests and stuff he brings on. Again, I think it's super intriguing, super different. Of course, you know, it's, right now that's there's so much buzz around it. But as far as the longevity, I'm I'm with Justin, man. I say like four. Okay, yeah. Now I want to re not rephrase, but I want I don't I I said this is a lot of work. I don't think James is going to be like texting guys and be like, hey, will you do my show? He's probably going to have people setting up the production. He's probably going to have people doing all that. All he's probably going to have to do. Roger's going to do that. I mean, for sure. Yeah. Roger Lark will take care of all that. Right. But it still takes time. You got to you gotta set the time up. You got to be there. And you got you to gotta sit there and do it every every week, every month, whatever. So we'll see how it goes. I am excited. I, mean, I kind of want to touch on a little bit more. I'm yeah, excited to see, like, what what it's going to be is it going to be an hour long is it going to be live is it going to be five hours long like how are they going to do it i can't see james sitting there for five hours no there's just no possible way so it's really like okay what are they really going to talk about who's going to be the are they going to bring in guests are they going to have people call in like 
what kind of podcast is it? Is it just James kind of just talking like the old videos that he did about where he just kind of talked and then there was like two of them and that was kind of it. Right. That's, that's kind of like, the, that's kind of the questions I have is like, yeah, you can start a podcast, but what kind of podcast, you know what I mean? Like that's the biggest thing is what kind are you starting? Like, how is it really going to go? Exactly. We're going to find out, I guess, pretty soon. So, uh, look forward to it. Don't forget fantasy signups should be December 20th. That could change. If you guys want to get involved with pulp MX fantasy, I want to thank all of our sponsors, obviously motorsport.com guts racing, Michelin bicycle tires and seal savers. And don't forget to support all the pulp MX sponsors. Just go to pulpmexshow.com, Click on the sponsor deal tabs, links, discount codes there. Uh, if you need to have any questions, comments, criticisms, dark side at pulpmx.com. Before we go, uh, Justin, any thoughts, anything that we didn't touch on that you would have liked to have touched on about this episode? No, I mean, I, I could have talked about, you know, Brayback and Shorts part, you know, the whole time. Honestly, right, I really, sure. really enjoyed that. Like, I'm, I think I'm pretty intrigued, kind of like watching the F1 documentary on Netflix. Like, it got me into it. That's cool. And I think that's their conversation and talking about it and the little stuff. Like, they could have talked about it, and I think it would have been okay, but how detailed they went in with the road books and their bikes and the way that they have to read things and stuff that got me intrigued, very intrigued. So yeah, I think, you know, I could have talked about them for hours, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be cool to, to kind of, you know, venture off into, uh, you know, paying attention to that quite a bit more. Cause I, I knew what Shorty was doing and everything. And I knew all about, you know, the car winning and all that stuff for uh, Brayback, but you don't realize really how big that stuff is. No, yeah, and worldwide it's huge, and that's cool that yeah. that, that the, this episode of Pulp, you know, it did that for you. It got you excited about something that you weren't involved with. That's awesome. Absolutely. Uh, Dan, how about you, man? Anything we didn't touch on? Yeah, I mean, uh, not really, just kind of reiterating. It was kind of a cool show. It, it uh, kind of sparked some new interest and in, in doing some maybe off-road riding, listening to Ricky and, and uh, Shorty, and, and then also uh, Rich Taylor just – I loved his honesty as far as his business and, you know, not being able to get product and not being able to afford, you know, five containers at one time. It's just, it's like a local small business. And uh, it, I'm actually going to, I'm going to order up some X brand goggles and, and support his, his business. Cause I just, um, I like the story and I like the honesty. Hell They're really yeah. good goggles. They are well, really good goggles. I'll give them that 100%. Yep. Those goggles are good. Yeah. I, uh, I, like I said, I've been wearing them and I've been selling them for years. So I, I have, I've got an order actually showing up tomorrow with a bunch of new Lucids. So, uh, nice. fantastic. All right, guys, that is it then for this episode of uh, the Pulp and wrap-up show. And that's a wrap. We're out. You don't call me. <laughs> you don't call me. Oh, uh, man, I, I swung by her house. You're not home. I'm always home. I'm always home. <laughs> uh, the, the truck wasn't out front. I'm in the back. I'll just check the back. And I'm like, all right, man, I just want to just just go mountain bike with you. Hey, you know the off-road shit that you guys do? That once yeah, that was some... Yeah. Shorty, you you uh, uh you care for your life too much. Yeah, you care for your life too much. <laughs> yeah. Where you at? You don't call me. <laughs> that shit's Hanky Jory so back there. You see that shit? And then Honky Dory. Hey everybody, welcome to Hanky Jory National. Is your head no. still fucked? Why would you want to re-talk about the pulp show?
Let's see and me.